Welcome to Hardy Party of Five and a Half. We hope that you've already liked and subscribed to our podcast, but if you haven't, now's a great time to do that. On iTunes, you just scroll to the bottom, give us five stars, and please leave a review. We really do read all of them. We love to read them, so please do that for us. Also, this is a fantastic episode, right, Scott? Rebecca, I have the need for speed. Yeah, well, we want you to speed on over and share this podcast. You're going to want to share it. I mean, this is going to be like one of your favorite episodes because it's all things Top Gun. So who didn't love the first movie, Scott? Right here. (laughs) I'll be honest, did not care for the first movie. Well, to be honest, you didn't actually see all of the first movie until about two weeks ago. That's true. I intentionally never saw it. Why? Because at the time, this was 1986. Mm-hmm. I was three years old. No, I was you way too not. young to go to the theater. No, I was 16 at the time. And just from watching the trailers and stuff, I could tell Tom Cruise wasn't my favorite. He's still not really my favorite. Mm-hmm. But I could tell from the trailers of the movie that he just seemed a little punkish in this movie. Really? So I never really wanted to see it. Mm-hmm. The closest I came to seeing it was in my senior high art class. Our uh, final exam that year was in 88, I guess, was watching Top Gun and sketching. So I just sketched and didn't watch Top Gun. It, they, they played that movie? Oh, yeah. We had it on the VCR. <laughs> and she hooked it up. Okay. And What's so crazy about this is that now that we've gone back and watched the first one. We've gone back in time. Yeah. It's so much not PG rated. Right. I mean, the second one, Top Gun Maverick, is so much more kid-friendly. Yeah. And I don't really know to what kid. Like, I'm, it's hard for me now because I don't watch with kid eyes like I did once when our kids were small and I always watch with kid eyes. Yeah. Um, but now I don't. I did catch, you know, a few things. There's a couple of words dropped in the in the new one. But in the old one, there was lots of, I don't know, like sexual jokes. Yeah. Tons of those. And just, I don't know. It was... And a big uh, making love scene. Making love scene? Yeah. Is, is that, that what you call it? <laughs> love making scene People is what I'm trying to say. call that a sex scene. Thank you. Yeah. That we fast forwarded through in our recent viewing. 
But I it found is, it's honestly it was like three or four minutes long, which is honestly a long time to watch that. Well, and I found out what happened with that. What? The song was so they thought the song was going to be so popular. The what is it called? Take my breath away by yes. Berlin. Mm-hmm. That they added that scene later so they could showcase the song longer. What? So they came back in and did reshoots and did that scene just wow. to add the song. Just to add the song. Yeah. Well, I mean, so the we song found was wildly partly. popular and because Because of that, we were so. wondering after watching it, it was like, why was this so much more sexual than right. the new movie? And part of that is the age of the people because mm-hmm. I think, I mean, Tom was early 20s and all that. Right. And I think at a more advanced age, it's Both of it's, them. it's mm-hmm. weird to have that in a in a movie with older people. <laughs> but ultimately, it was just to showcase the song. Right. So we figured out that mystery that we were wondering. That's so interesting. But yeah. back to my crazy point, which is, why are you watching this in high school? That's kind of interesting to think about. I didn't I didn't watch it, so I didn't see what was in it. <laughs> I mean, I was sitting there. <laughs> I, when we just watched it recently, yeah. I'm sitting on the couch. And I don't know, Alex, who I don't know who all was there, our kids and whatnot. But I just remember being like, ooh, that was a lot. Like some of the comments and... You know, like, oh, okay, step back. Like, anyways. Yeah. So what, and we've talked about in 86 where I was at with the movie, which is basically didn't go see it. Where were you at with the movie in 86? I don't remember. I don't remember seeing this in a movie theater. I don't remember where. I'm sure I did. I'm sure I saw it in a movie theater. I remember um, crying when Goose died. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I was pretty upset. Spoiler alert. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I remember crying when Goose died. It is a 40-year-old movie, so I don't really think we have to worry about spoilers at this point. If you haven't seen it, you're like me, then you've decided not to see it (laughs) until two weeks ago. Yeah. So let's get into some of the details and some of the fun things about the movies, and then let's get to this amazing interview we have. We cannot. It's just so cool. Yes. Okay, so Top Gun 1986 was the highest grossing movie of 1986. $179.8 million. Whoa. What's the highest grossing movie right now? That's not that much if you think about it. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Well, now if you take in inflation, which we all know is an issue. and <laughs> What? Yeah. And just in general. Gas, driving to and from the studio. Yeah. So the top... What's weird is the top movie right now is Top Gun Maverick. Oh, okay. And it's made worldwide $1 billion. Oh, okay. So it's outclassed its predecessor pretty Quite well. Quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so something that's interesting is, and our and our guest talks about this, is there was a 500% spike in Navy enrollment after, after the first, first movie. Top Gun. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that cool? So that I wonder crazy. if there's a spike now, like... I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. To I don't. See. Yeah. I don't think enough time has happened to really know, to know. if if there is. Let's a revisit this question in a year. Yes, yeah. and then when they do the next sequel in thirty years, yeah. the ninety-year-old Tom Cruise will be flying planes again, <laughs> based on the timing. Yep. So, um, something I didn't know was at the time Saturday Night Fever icon John Travolta was initially approached to take on the central role of Maverick. He was too expensive and had had too many flops. After Tom Cruise. That I mean, Tom Cruise was named, but on the list. But after, before that, I'm sorry. Before that, here's a list of other people that turned this same role down. I mean, they went through a lot of people to get to Tom. Yeah. Um. So that list includes Patrick Swayze, Emilio Estevez, Nicolas Cage, John Cusack, Matthew Broderick, Sean Penn, Michael J. Fox, Scott Baio, and Tom Hanks. <laughs> who Tom Hanks of all those seems to be like substantially older now. I he they're about the same age. Wow. Tom is maybe three. I think Tom's three or four years older than Tom. 
Okay, well, that's funny because all those other people are kind of like, I don't know, they were like younger. Yeah. Like, I don't know, everybody was watching them at a young age. Yeah. But and I, I don't remember what Tom was doing at that age. Tom, Tom Hanks was Hanks. probably in Bosom Buddies on oh, TV. Oh, okay, yeah, he was way too goofy then. But then he's always felt like the father figure, so he's always right. seemed Right, he just older. doesn't fit into yeah. this group. He seems like their dad. Well, and I think part of the pro- thing is that this movie hadn't come out yet, and people were reading it going, who's going to be interested in fighter pilots? Yeah. So I think that's why, why a lot of them turned it down. Why they think they would be interested And I think Tom turned it down the first time. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it says that uh, the Navy pilots took Tom up, and he did some 5Gs, and he gets off, and he heaves, gets on the tar- tarmac, runs to a payphone. <laughs> 1986. And says he's in. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. Like, there was a lot of no's before we got to Tom Cruise, and it really was like, did it, I mean, what, what was he in before then? Oh, gosh. I think he'd been in Legend and maybe Risky Business okay, about the was same that, time. Okay, yeah. So he had, a, he, had a, he had at least one hit with Risky Business. So. Okay, yeah. So he was just barely on the scene, which yeah. is so interesting because it really did kind of shape him as far as, to me, like in that role of like, I don't know, kind of maybe spy and also like, I don't know, fight, fighting type of... The overconfident hothead kind of guy yeah kinda. yeah but yeah almost with military cocky. or yeah stuff like that so yeah. anyways yeah so i thought that was pretty interesting um the film soundtrack sold nine million copies and kenny loggins was not the first choice to record the song danger zone for the film um toto brian adams and ario speedwagon were a few of the groups considered oh gosh yeah, that would that'd be kind of weird. It's just weird the things they go through, and then what you ended up with. You can't picture anyone else. You can't picture anyone else but Tom Cruise. Yeah. You can't picture anyone else but Kenny Loggins singing. Right. Yeah. But it was like these are third, fourth, fifth choices. Yeah. So it's kind of funny how it works out. Right. Um, I I knew at the time that him and Val Kilmer. I thought I had heard that they didn't get along in real life, but turns out they were method acting. So he was nasty to Tom in between takes, and the tension between Maverick and Iceman just kind of continued to build. Um. And they kept their distance from each other, like didn't really socialize much. So that explains that. Like, I don't, I wonder how, you know, of course they're both in the, in the new movie and they have a big hug in the movie, but was that authentic? Do they really like each other? I think they're actually friends now. They are. I think that was just being on set at that time. Yeah. Because Tom, I heard Tom say that he wasn't going to do the movie without Val Kilmer. Oh, really? So they were, it was pretty set in stone that Val was going to be back. Yeah. And what's interesting when, okay, having not really seen the movie, and you had seen the movie, but we'd always, we go into it with the perception that um, Val Kilmer is like the bad guy, like the hothead and all that. Iceman is like the guy you don't want to be around. Right. But in watching it now, it's Tom Cruise, the maverick, who was the hothead and the unsafe guy. I felt like Iceman just wanted everybody to be safe. Yeah. Like, he, he was cocky in that he thought he was the best, but he wanted everybody to be safe. And Maverick was more like, I'm going to do whatever. I'm dangerous, because there's yeah. that big quote, I am dangerous. Yeah. And it's funny, the perception I had going into the movie is I always thought Iceman was considered, like, if there's a villain of the movie, like, he He's was the, the villain. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But really, it was Tom that was like, a little, <laughs> do I really want to ride with this guy? So the question is, who would you get in a plane with? I think I would get in with Iceman. That's so boring. <laughs> what? Why we just live in this whole safety first world? And there you go again. Safety I don't think first. it's safe with any of them, <laughs> but I think it's safer with Iceman. Really? I kind of, yeah, I'm a little more confident of his decision making. You say so. Okay. Okay. 
Anthony Edwards, who played Goose, was the yep. only actor who didn't vomit while in the fighter jets, <laughs> which is interesting. And later in our interview, we'll find out who didn't vomit in our in the new Maverick. Yeah, talking Maverick, that is a little teaser. Yeah. Um, I feel the need. The need for speed is ranked in the top 100 movie quotes of all times, which is not surprising. However, I did have a time when I thought that that came from the movie. Was it called Speed? Talladega How do you say that? Talladega. <laughs> Talladega Nights. Easy for you to say. Yeah, seriously. No, I thought it came from the movie Speed. No, it came. Reeves. No, it came from. Remember, they're walking. Even no, I, I, I knew it now, yeah. but there was just a time frame that I was like, "Oh, that's from." The oh, movie. you thought it was right? Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the piano scene was filmed in this restaurant called Kansas City Barbecue. In it's San actually, Diego. Right, in San Diego, not very far from the USS Midway. That's right there. And uh, so you can take a little whole touring section right there and look at a lot of stuff. But apparently the restaurant had burned down in like, what, 2008. Yeah. It had a fire. And so it had a bunch of memorabilia in it, but now all that's gone. But they did redo the restaurant into Kansas City Barbecue. And you and I have been there. Yeah. We've been to San Diego and been to that restaurant. Yeah. It's cool to be inside. Yeah. Like, it's cool to know you're on the movie set. Right. But the food was not great. I'm no. sorry, guys. That was probably 10 years ago that we were there. Yeah. But, yeah. Kansas City Barbecue yeah. and San Diego really definitely is great balls of fire. Yes. Okay. Um, so. Oh, gosh. Wow. <laughs> I had to go At least there. no one was injured. <laughs> Well, this you, just in. You never know. Yeah. I don't... Yeah. So that leads us to this amazing movie, Top Gun Maverick. I mean, people were posting about it on Facebook, like, over and over, before we even decided to go see it. I think you were a little like, I don't know. Well, and I was still leery because I remember not liking the first one. Right. And so, so. people just consistently posting, if you haven't seen it, must go see, must go see. And so we finally did. And we did, and we loved it. Loved it. Scooter loved it. I mean, and that, I had no listen, idea I would. Scooter doesn't love a lot of movies. That's true. Love is a big word for Scooter in the movies. That's right. And this is this is this is huge. You don't even understand how huge this is. <laughs> this is big news, people. This is big news. I'm telling you, Scott has like a like two minute review he's going to give you after the movie. A two-hour review, he's going to give you two hours after the movie. A two-day review, and then a two-week review. It's going to get progressively better or progressively worse. <laughs> like, he's going to chew on this, whatever movie, he's going to chew on it for a while. Yeah. Like, name a movie that you saw at first, and as you thought about it more and more, you disliked it. I disliked it more? Oh, gosh. There's plenty of those. <laughs> I can't. Most of them. See? Yeah. Most of them. It's actually way more unusual that a movie would get progressively better the more he thinks yeah. about it. And I've seen it twice. You've seen it twice. I don't see many movies twice. I actually really don't see movies twice. Yeah. Like, hardly at all. So, anyways, we, today, here's who we have. Here's who we're interviewing. Her name is Amy, Amy Heflin. She's a Navy fighter pilot. In the movie, if you haven't seen it, you've got to go see it. In the movie... Phoenix is flying an airplane, and Bob is the guy in the back seat. But actually, Amy is flying for Phoenix. She does all the flying she in the movie. She does all the flying. And all of this movie is filmed up in the sky. It's crazy. In planes. In actual planes. <laughs> so, Amy's in the front, and Phoenix is in the back seat. Right. Or Amy's in the front, Bob's in the back seat. And there's another pilot in there that helps, too. I mean, we ask her all the questions about how do you even do this Tell us who threw up, all the things we want to know. So here's our interview with Amy Heflin. No, I'm so excited. Okay, Amy Heflin, thank you for joining Hardy Party Five and a Half. I am so excited to talk to you. This Top Gun movie has taken off, and 
honestly, we have to hear all the reasons why you decided to do this. Really, for us and for me, like as a child, I had so many dreams of things I wanted to do. You wanted to be a fighter pilot. How? How, why why did that come about into your life where did that come from yeah it uh it started with my dad so we obviously growing up in lubbock reese air force base is right there so uh saw the blue angels and the thunderbirds multiple times went to a ton of air shows my dad was really into general aviation to begin with so that's where the, the aviation side of the house came from and then uh with that being able to also serve my country it was just that you know that added bonus so yeah that's so cool. So was there something specific that lit that fire? Just having that go through your family with your dad? Uh, it was, it's a little bit of kind of the dad uh, piece there at the beginning. Um, my brother's also a fighter pilot. So okay. he's four years older than me. Uh, yeah. He went to the academy before I did. So uh, there's kind of a little bit of a family tradition starting to form. Um, but it's just the two of us uh, so far. Yeah, that's so cool. When I read that in elementary school, a teacher may have said something to you that kind of she made did. you want to do it more. Yeah. Yes. So there was there was a little bit of um, it was the craziest thing. We had to make a time capsule, and in the time capsule, you had to write a letter to your uh, future self uh, about where what accomplishments you expect to have done by the time you're. I think it was like thirty five, and I, I wrote this whole hey, you know, you've graduated from the Air Force Academy and you've become a fighter pilot and all these things. Well, before we put them in the time capsule, the teacher had us read some of them out loud. And I just remember reading mine out loud, kind of feeling all proud. And man, she, she kind of tore into me saying like, women don't go to the Air Force Academy. They especially oh, wow. don't fly fighter jets. And, um, and yeah, so instead of, you know, crying about it, I just got mad and <laughs> just <laughs> <yoked> her on. <laughs> And here we are now. And here we are. Yeah, that's so cool. So, like twelve percent of women are fighter pilots. What was it like soaring up through the ranks of like a male-dominated profession? It's um, it's it's been a blast. It's been so much fun. The guys um that I work with are all like my my big brothers. Um, so they're a ton of fun. Um, they're super protective of me. So it's like having a bunch of bunch of brothers around. Um, I felt sorry for all the guys that I dated. Uh, for my husband, I'm gonna up with all of them. Um, but no, it's it's been fun. Uh, at the very beginning, you go through kind of an interview process uh, where you sit in front of a board of different aviators, and and they they're kind of assessing whether or not you can handle being in their community. Um, and they just they straight up ask the question like, "How do you think you're going to handle being in such a male dominated community?" And and growing up with two brothers, it just yeah. just didn't fit me. Uh, so. It is fun, um, you know, when you go out and you, and you dogfight a guy, uh, they don't want to lose to a girl, but man, when you, <laughs> you know, it's just that much more special. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> On a very much smaller scale, we play a lot of softball together. We play a lot of code together. And that's like the worst thing is if you, you get like a girl catches your pop fly or a pop fly from a girl like burns you in the outfield and they hit it over your head. You're like, you just got burned by a girl. <laughs> very much smaller scale but it is a thing <laughs> so how do you know that you can fly a plane like that i mean how do you what are the stages to know okay now i can be in a, a fighter jet i'm just so yeah with the navy you start really small they started us on the civilian side so we started in um, little cessnas taking up little 175s with a civilian instructor and they're just trying to make sure that you can handle 
being in the air and, and that doesn't kind of freak you out. You then move on to the T6, which is a little bit uh, larger prop airplane. Um, and then from there, uh, you get sorted out. So the helo pilots go um, learn how to fly a small helicopter. Jet pilots go learn how to small, fly a small jet. So we flew the T-34 um, Goshawk and uh, that's a very small version of the F-18. It's only got a single engine. Um, and kind of by the time you get done with that, you, you feel at least a little confident to, to go take on the F-18. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine feeling I, confident doing any of yeah, those things. <laughs> so you're in an F-18 Super Hornet, right? So how fast do you go in that? How Correct. Fast? Yeah. Uh, so the Super Hornet, it can uh, go, I think they, the numbers like 1.8 Mach. Um, it's not very realistic that we ever go that fast just because typically you have either bombs or a tank or something on um but that's like pointed straight down to the ground uh normally we fly around at 0.8 which is about 650 miles an hour um, wow that's crazy what does it feel to go that fast is it can you tell well like i did i did uh skydiving and i thought you would feel that feeling when you jump out of the plane but i guess i was dropping so fast you don't feel anything so you do not even feel anything when you're going that fast? I mean, if you think about it, uh, many airliners fly kind of roughly that same speed when they're up at altitude. So uh, you don't feel it a whole lot when you're up there. But man, when you light the burner on deck, uh, when you're taking off, you definitely feel kind of that. You, It's a race car. You feel yeah. that pressure in your chest as you get sunk back into the seat. And it's a ton of fun. That's so well, great. you could see that in the movie when people were taking off. You get that big jolt when they came off the uh -huh. carrier. Yeah. Just crazy. That's oh my crazy. gosh. I guess you're right. I never really thought about like, you know, commercial planes going that fast. And it does yeah. kind of feel, I guess, peaceful for lack of a better word, like you're up there, you know, you don't really feel that when you're just doing that, you don't really feel that pressure or anything. And but the takeoff kind of yeah. Get a little bit of it. Yeah. I but would. I kind of like having a pilot <laughs> do that for me and not have to be the one in charge. So how did you? Get, I would like to be in charge. You would like. You would I definitely like, to be, in much charge. Would like yes. to be in charge. Yes. I think this would be a blast. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get drafted to be in Top Gun Maverick? How did this work? Uh, so it's kind of with all things in the Navy, it's all about being in the right, right time, right place, um, type thing. So uh, I had just checked out of my uh, operational squadron in Japan. I checked in to be an instructor pilot back here in California. Um, right after I got all my quals, uh, Paramount came out and they said, hey, we need some uh, just technical advisors, just people to help us open and close the canopy because they were going to put in cameras and they wanted to measure things out and make sure the cameras would fit. Uh, so I helped with them for about two months with that. Uh, and then a year later, when they came back out, um, they they wanted an actual female fighter pilot to fly Phoenix around. So they found myself and they found Dragon, who's a who's another female. She was up in Fallon at the time. Um, and, and they were like, hey, we want y'all to actually fly these scenes. And so that was kind of what year was this? Was it? Uh, 2018 for the camera fits and then kind of mid 2019 for the filming. Okay, it's amazing that it's I had that no long idea ago. That this was yeah, and the works for the quite this long actually. So, what was it like filming on the movie? Did you help train the actors, and how did it how did it work with the actors? Sure. So they um they did most of their 
flight training. So I know uh, Tom Cruise got them up in some aircraft uh, before they ever got out to the F-18. So he kind of warmed them up a little bit. They did their uh, survival swim training before they got to us. Um, and honestly, one day it was just uh, my commanding officer said, hey, we want you to go out and meet Monica Barbaro. We want you to you know, see if y'all get along and maybe you could take her up in a jet. And so we uh, got to talking. Uh, she's a fantastic person. Um, and thankfully she was comfortable uh, with me uh, going up uh, together. So um, the only training we really did with them was they had a mock, uh, it was kind of just made out of pieces of wood uh, cockpit. And they would sit in that before each scene, before we'd go flying. And they'd ask us, hey, where where are you going to put your hands? And where where are you looking when you do this? Oh, yeah. uh, we kind of walk them through that process. And then um, I, I think it paid off. I think so it, you're in the front in the filming and Monica's in the back, right? Correct. So I flew yeah. uh, Monica and I flew, um, so Phoenix and Bob. Louis oh, okay. Yeah. And um, every time I flew with them, I would be sitting in the front and they would be sitting in the back. They have four cameras facing them and I had two cameras facing over my shoulder. Okay. So they're obviously like we're splicing those together because they're not in the same plane at the same time ever. Correct. Yeah. Ever airborne in the same plane at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way. To so you it. did, I read that you did most of the, you did the low level stuff like through the mountains, right? Correct. Yeah. So did that challenge what you've done before? What was, is there something that like made you go even further than you'd been before in a plane? Very much so. Um, Tom Cruise would brief every single flight and he, um, you know, he's a perfectionist and he's a professional. And so that's what he wanted from us. Uh, So typically when we fly low levels like these, especially in the training environment, we will go no lower than 500 feet. Um, For this movie, we were flying down at a hundred feet typically. Um, so that was, it was pretty intense to be kind of below the trees for the majority of these flights. Wow. Wow. I can't even imagine that. <laughs> so that was super challenging, I guess. It was, it was very challenging because it was, I mean, flying low is one thing, but flying low in a dynamic kind of environment, trying to, trying to bend the jet around and, and act yeah. cool when you're doing it. The, cool. mount, the mountain's like a hundred feet from you, right? On either side when you're going through the, uh, I would, probably roughly about. <laughs> it seemed really close to me. <laughs> really I, can't close. Imagine. I can't believe we're even talking to you. That's just, <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible that you do these things. Yeah. I just, yeah. Well, yeah, it is very incredible. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> okay. So, what was so cool? Monica Barbaro, who she's Phoenix in the movie, she had this to say about you on the way to the red carpet. She said, my fangirl moment was some of my favorite pilots, Kristen Dragon Henson that you mentioned, and Amy Bacon Heflin not only flew me in the F-18s for several scenes of the movie, but they also became the ultimate role models for creating my character. They carry so much integrity and heroism and also happen to be funny and cool. (laughs) I can't say enough positive things about them both. Okay, so your call sign's Bacon. Explain (laughs) Bacon to us. Yeah, Uh, it's it's a long story, uh, but... Short in the PC version is everybody loves bacon. So <laughs> so that is how you got the name bacon. I would say, I would think a lot of people would want the name bacon. I mean, it's kind of a thing right now. So that's kind of cool. So what was it like filming with like, how was it, how was it with her in particular? Like, did you guys go out to dinner? Did you guys spend time together off filming sets? Or were you like, now nah, big buds, you text every day. What's your relationship like? 
so while we were filming, it was it was usually very professional. I think I was the one that was kind of gun shy about like texting her or anything along those yeah. lines. Um, but she was fantastic in the jet. She uh, and and outside the jet, we, she would sit down and have lunch with us on set. Um, but they are they are incredibly busy and they are always on the go. So uh, yeah. she'd sit down and she'd have lunch with us. Um, in the aircraft, she was so much fun. She was always uh, just laughing and and very professional, which was great because yeah. uh, it made it very easy to do. And and she knew what she wanted. Um, she didn't necessarily always know like what the aircraft was capable of, but I tried to give her the best examples that I could. Yeah. Um, so a lot of fun. And then since then, uh, we've texted a couple of times. She invited me to the red carpet, which was amazing of her to do kind of personally. Um, so, so she, she's amazing. And so what about Miles Teller? Let me tell you, Mike, we have three <laughs> grown boys. They're 23, 21 and yeah. 19. I'm a hairdresser. They have since this movie bought um hawaiian shirts have shaved their beards have mustaches which i had to dye to because make they can't, them darker they can't quite grow them yet yeah they're they're yeah. just not quite there yet so we we have all the miles teller love in our house right now what was he like <laughs> he he is a ton of fun he is he's a hilarious guy and um again also just super professional and and wanted to make a really good uh movie and i think he really wanted to show off you know as as goose's son and and just uh, he's a good guy yeah. yeah he's a good guy okay so just between us did anyone <laughs> did any of the actors get sick in the planes no 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 okay. oh no they some of them got sick <laughs> oh, they, okay i was thinking to say oh my gosh monica never got sick and monica was, never did okay not that i know she's got a stomach of steel so okay that's crazy i cannot even imagine that would be i while i would love this i have some vertigo issues and i cannot imagine doing those things i almost had to close my eyes in the movie just to keep from being dizzy <laughs> and so same thing with tom cruise on set i know you said he's super professional but did you have much interaction with him um on a on a personal level uh not so much but he did brief every single flight he would um hang mean? out what is uh, a flight uh before every flight about two hours before we're going to take off we sit down uh we would sit down with the actors and basically that was going to be the first time we saw what kind of script we were doing for that day uh so um we would have to kind of pair their lines with what the aircraft should be doing at the time and so we could kind of draw a picture uh, and then when we were in Whidbey filming some of the snow scenes down low, uh, that's where we learned kind of what route they wanted us to fly to give the kind of different mountain views and stuff like that. Um, so that's what, so we would, we would brief the film portions uh, with Tom Cruise and the other uh, producers and director. And then we would kind of go our separate ways and brief kind of the safety part of flying, just the, hey, everybody get your head on straight. Here's what the weather's going to look like. Here's what um you know here's what might impact your flight today type deal um so he would brief every kind of the cinematic portion of every flight um and yeah just I mean super professional obviously he's got a ton of pressure on him uh this was a big movie yeah. uh, and he needed to do it right and I think he did so yeah, no kidding absolutely okay I have a question about going over the mountain <laughs> I know okay you go up over the mountain and you come back down right you go like this well yeah but why why is it necessary to flip like that like you flip upside down to go over well in the movie they said it was to stay low but yeah. i don't know 
Uh, part of it's to stay low because if you're going to uh, just push forward on a stick and cause the aircraft to just go straight back down, there's usually a big kind of arc. So okay. over on your back and pulling um, is, is a little bit more effective that way. And then also, if you can imagine, so when you pull G's, uh, when you're you know pulling in the aircraft, uh, all that blood is rushing to your feet. Yeah. Um, that's what you see those maneuvers. And that's where you see the guys in the movie start to black out because all the blood in their head is is trying to leave it's being pulled down um well if you have the opposite effect so when you push forward on the stick and you get real light in the seat now all that blood goes into your brain and uh -huh. it is just so much more uncomfortable than if you were to try to hold it uh or try to keep from going down oh wow okay that's so fascinating i did not know that and you know how to flip a plane in the air <laughs> you know how to do that i think she does <laughs> <laughs> that's great you know this is not a normal job people talk about right i mean like, I mean, you have something really cool and unusual about you thank you i guess it kind of goes back to being in the male-dominated community of like we're me and my husband are surrounded by these guys all the time so it's yeah it doesn't seem like a big deal to you i work with scissors so you know but that can be dangerous i mean it too, could be though. dangerous yeah. it's a dangerous yeah. job i cut my knuckles a lot <laughs> so also i was going to ask like what um when you're when you're up, how how like is the fastest you've ever gone? I know in the movie they talk about you know Mach ten, whatever. Like, what is your what's your top speed, or do you have yeah. one? Nowhere near Mach ten. I think it's probably a one point four Mach okay. one point four. So just uh, so obviously Mach one is the speed of sound, and then just yeah. slightly that. Yeah, <laughs> that's and, and that's kind of a reason. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's kind of reasonable. Like in your job profession, that would be like around Mach one is like typical. It's reasonable, yes, and it's um it's obviously something we don't like to do all the time, especially when we're over uh, populated areas. A lot of our flying that we do uh, here in Lemoore is directly overhead uh, the city of Lemoore. Um, and if you break the sound barrier and you're too low, I mean, people have blown out windows in Walmart and set off car alarms. <laughs> oh my gosh! So uh, typically, we try to avoid um, breaking the sound barrier, but it happens. Well, that makes okay. me think of when Ed Harris is standing. Yeah, and he and, flies over him. Yeah, the Tom Cruise goes over him, and they had a set there that it tore up, and that even they didn't mean that to happen. <laughs> like it was just the shock wave of the plane going by, and Ed Harris just doesn't move. I'm like, how cool is that? He must have been holding on to something in front. I don't of think him. he was. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so you mentioned the red carpet. What what was that experience like for you? Probably not something you get to do every day. Definitely not something I've done every day, probably something I will never do again, but it was fantastic. Um, they held the actual red carpet on board the USS Midway in San Diego. Uh, so that was probably the first uh, only and last time I'll ever wear a dress on board. <laughs> <laughs> Did it feel weird wearing a dress on the... It felt very strange wearing a dress on the carrier and, and it's just not natural. <laughs> uh, we got to do an, an elevator ride on the carrier um, kind of while we had cocktails with some of the cast and crew um, and then we got to uh, we didn't necessarily walk the red carpet but we got to see uh, Monica and Lewis Pullman and all those guys walk the red carpet and see kind of how all that goes and that was it was pretty incredible so we've been on yeah. the midway and isn't it very close to the the barbecue place from the original Top Gun is right there by that yeah. it is the bar is like down at the end of the pier yeah it, uh, yeah the bar it's now it's a barbecue place right it is. Maybe, yeah. yeah yeah that's what i was thinking of i knew that was pretty close to that so how many times have you seen the movie so far three 
three. What'd you think when you finally saw it? Uh, it was incredible. I think I was a little shocked the first time I watched it. I don't think I was really able to fully um, embrace it until the third time where I watched it. Um, like no kidding in IMAX with my husband and I was able to kind of just embrace it all. But um, yeah, I, it's, it's incredible. I'm a huge yeah. fan. Yeah, it is really so good. I mean, it was better than I expected it to be, honestly. Oh, for me too, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and you're, I mean, I, I think that I love that they gave Tom Cruise like a little bit more of a heart and emotions in this one. The first one, he was just a hot, a young hothead. And in this second one, he seemed to like, I don't know. There was, of course, we all grew up with that. We're his age, a little younger than him, but, you know, so we kind of grew up with all that. So I don't know, we just love that. When I think what y'all were able to do in the actual planes just makes you a part of the action more. Mm -hmm. As good as they could do in the original, you couldn't duplicate what y'all did mm -hmm. with the cameras on the actors and fighter pilots doing the actual thing. Yeah. I mean, it, there's just nothing that replaces that. That's like the number one post I kept seeing after people were seeing it before we saw it was go navy go navy go navy like how incredible the navy did it this movie i mean they just are singing your praises it's really cool so why i mean obviously this movie is super popular it's like a phenomenon so in your opinion why do you think it's been such a big hit and just like we talk about our kids wanting to look like miles teller yeah. like why is it such a cultural thing uh i think there's there's several layers to that so i mean obviously the first uh, Top Gun was incredibly popular. Uh, it started, you know, a whole generation of, of not only naval aviators, but just individuals who wanted to serve their country, um, however uh, that may be. So I think the Navy saw something like a 500% increase in enlistments um, wow. and, and, and people trying to get into the officer corps uh, after the first one. So obviously there's a big following. Um, there's people whose whole career is based around that movie. So oh, uh, that part of it. And then it kind of goes back to just the professionalism and the perfectionism of, of Tom Cruise and the producers and director. Uh, I think that even though it was an incredibly long time to wait for the second movie to come out, I mean, it was a 36 years, it's a lifetime. And yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but they waited until they had the technology and they waited until they had the support that they wanted um, and they didn't settle for anything less and, and it really shows off. Yeah, that's the truth. And I think there's a simplicity to the movie that people are enjoying too, that it's just, it's good guys and bad guys and action. And I think that it's something refreshing that we haven't had in a while. Mm -hmm. I think it's just a good time for that. Like after COVID and everything that's happened. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that uh, I was, really bummed when they kept pushing the uh the release out past COVID and just every release change just kind of was very frustrating but uh, yeah. but yeah. I think it was worth it yeah so. it was worth it so now you're an instructor or and I believe you've had a little kiddo since <laughs> all this happened yeah, right? yeah. yeah. so um after the movie, uh, after we were done filming the movie, I have a kid. He's going to turn one on Saturday. Oh, awesome. Wow. Happy birthday. <laughs> What's his name? Colt. 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 Very cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, That's a very Texas-born name right there. Yes. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, since then, I've I've had a kid. I've gotten out of the Navy. I'm now an instructor pilot for the F-35 uh, simulators. Um, so, things are, things are a lot different than they were when we filmed. Yeah, for sure. So are you on the ground a lot now or are you, you get to get up in the air still? 
so unfortunately part of this is is i don't get to fly anymore um okay. civilian side of it they they don't usually let uh, civilians up in the aircraft other than tom cruise and some of the actors <laughs> just uh, take those planes when they want <laughs> you're not like tom cruise you can't just go steal an f-18 and yeah <laughs> and run the course on your own yeah yeah that's so cool well amy you are an inspiration and this is going to be so great we this is the fourth of july episode for us and so we're just so proud of you you make our country proud and we thank you for taking time with us today and sharing just a little piece of this movie with us that everybody loves and everybody should see i appreciate that thank you yes we appreciate okay, that you. was a fascinating talk with amy absolutely but honestly as popular as this movie has been it's not affecting us at all not not at all not at all <laughs> <laughs> as we sit here in our aviators with our maverick shirts on and i shave a little bit for my kids yeah that because... mustache is becoming so popular oh yeah mm -hmm. well i feel like i look like i am on the movie cops <laughs> Instead of Top Gun. <laughs> you do look like you could Because I it. couldn't get rid of this little thing, my soul patch, because I've had that so long. So right. I didn't want to get rid of that. You do look like you could so. be on an episode of Chips. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the guest star cop. <laughs> the one that went bad. Right. Well, I kind of like it. Okay. I do. Uh, yeah, it's kind of nice. I haven't seen my face I mean, you like it while. when I shave my face. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you like it when I shave mine. That's right. There you go. Okay, so Top Gun Maverick, it's like the biggest movie going right now. Right. And Amy did such a good job. It mm -hmm. was so incredible to be able to talk to her. Yeah. Like the actual people, one of the actual people that's flying these machines mm -hmm. can't even understand how that works or how they do it. Nope. So um, we're going to give you a little lowdown on how Maverick even happened. Okay. So I was listening to a podcast that the director of the movie's on was on, Joseph Kaczynski. Mm-hmm. And he told the story of how the movie was greenlit, and I thought it was pretty funny. So he came up with a story idea. And Can you he, tell me what greenlit means? Like, they were going to do the movie. Oh. Like, let's go. Okay. Sorry, I get a little yeah. movie mogul terminology kind of there. Movie, movie snob talk. Yeah. So Joseph Kaczynski is the director. He went to Jerry uh, Bruckheimer, who's the producer of the original. Yeah. And he's like, I have, I have this great idea for the next Top Gun. He's like, okay. I mean, it's been 37 years, so Tom has been really like, I'm not just going to do any movie. Yeah. So Jerry heard the pitch, and he's like, okay, we need, to, we need to put this in front of Tom. Well, there's a caveat. Tom's in Paris filming the Mission Impossible movies. This is around 2018, 2019. So Jerry, who apparently has money to burn, says, let's go see Tom in Paris. So, so they fly to Paris. Tom's filming the movie. Mm -hmm. He has a 30-minute break, and Tom's like, let's go talk about this. Well, when they got into Paris the night before, Tom called uh, the director, Joseph Kaczynski, and they had done a movie previously, the Oblivion movie. Mm -hmm. he, had, he directed that movie with Tom, so they knew each other. So Tom calls, and he says, hey, no matter what happens with the Top Gun movie, it's going to be great to catch up with you. It's going to be awesome to see you. So the director's thinking, okay, he hates this idea. He's just going to come have lunch with us for 30 minutes. This is not happening. Right. So they get into the pitch meeting, and here's how he did it. They had 30 minutes to go through this. And he started with the emotional hook of 
you're going to reconcile with Goose's son. So mm -hmm. you have the emotion and the character of that. And then he said it's going to be all real flying. We have the cameras and everything today that you didn't have in 1986 to really do this the right way. Yeah. So, and he mentioned, he showed Tom some things on YouTube of just Navy pilots going up with the GoPro. And he's like, see what they're doing? We've got to be able to do better. Mm -hmm. So he's appealing to Tom's competitive side. He's yeah. like, we can do this better. And Tom's like, yep. So here's what happens. They finish the... They finish pitching the movie to Tom within 30 minutes. Tom gets on the phone. He says, hold on just a second. He gets on the phone with the head of Paramount Pictures, the studio. Because <laughs> he has him on speed dial. Right. Okay. He calls him up. He says, we're going to make a new Top Gun movie. And the guy on the other line says, okay. <laughs> so that's all it took. Tom Cruise said, we're making Top Gun. And the studio head said, yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. And I think it's paid off because like we mentioned earlier, it's, Made a billion dollars worldwide so far. No kidding. Um, they can fly to Paris whenever they want to with that kind of money. Yeah, and the director was mentioning um, that he didn't want to like make a, he didn't want to just copy everything that had been done in Top mm -hmm. Gun. He wanted to be in the Top Gun universe, <laughs> which if you think of other franchises like Star Wars and everything, you want to make it look the same and have the same feel, but yeah. not rehash everything. Right. So he said what we had to do was. The lighting and everything, it had to be perpetually 6.30 in San Diego. Like right at sunset mm -hmm. in all the scenes. And what they did is they filmed exteriors in the morning and the evening. And they, everything else that needed to be filmed was filmed inside. Because mm. they didn't want the lighting of the midday. In yeah, there. yeah. So that's how they hmm. worked around that. Interesting. Yeah. So you know that motorcycle scene when Tom's... Yeah. It's kind of a redo of the, the original. original. Yeah. Like he's speeding and Next to the laughing and all that. Mm -hmm. yep. Guess how many takes that took to one. get that? Not one take. Nope. Oh. Took 43 takes oh, wow. over three days. What? Because for the first two days, it was foggy and rainy, oh. so they weren't getting the shots they wanted. So it was take 12 on day three that they used in the movie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So it took three days to do that one scene. That's so funny. Yeah. So Tom Cruise, who we know is Mr. Like Extreme. Mm-hmm. He created a 90-day boot camp for all the actors. And we talked about that a little bit, bit with Amy. Mm -hmm. um, and he took them through this. They went through the progression of, they started in a Cessna, a little small plane. They moved up to an acrobatic prop plane, and then a smaller jet, and then finally to the F-18s. <laughs> so it was a three-month process to get them. So they felt comfortable, and they weren't throwing up constantly. Yeah. In the throwing up constantly. Yeah. So and we found out from Amy that Phoenix, the actress that played Phoenix, is the only one that didn't throw up. That's right. Kudos to you. Mm -hmm. um, so they did. They did the naval underwater escape course, which they had. If they were, if you're going to be an F, if you're going to be in an F eighteen for the Navy, you have to take this course. Okay. In case you crash, you know. So they're basically blindfolded, dropped in a pool of water upside down in a helicopter, and they have to find their way out. So that's part of the training. What? Yeah. So pretty crazy. These actors went through a ton that to make this nuts. movie happen. Right? Yeah. What's funny is you can see Tom Cruise doing that. It's funny that he got a dozen actors right. to do that with him. Yeah. You know. So we talked about well, the cameras. What body water can you just flip a helicopter Well, over they were doing it. It's within a pool that they have at the Navy Training Center. That is nuts. 
but they put like you can see some video of it and you can see if you YouTube it you can mm -hmm. see them trying to get out of all that it's crazy Ooh, that's crazy so we talked about the cameras they had six cameras in it each cockpit and the actors had to turn them on they would have like a little meeting with the director before they flew off and I saw in one interview that Miles Teller erased a whole session so that's a whole hour of filming that they did not get. <laughs> he just wanted another free ride. Because I think he was saying he double-clicked the buttons and yeah, it turned it back it. off. He thought it was running and it wasn't. Yikes. So these people, they were flying 6 to 7 Gs. I know in the movie they say it's up to 10 Gs, but mm -hmm. they were really clocking in about 6 to 7.5 Gs. So to give you an idea of that, that's seven times your body weight. Wow. So just pressing up like against you. It feels you. like. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Was that it's like in the movie? Yeah, I can, they say like that that when their faces were being pulled. I mean, that was actually how they oh, were. Oh yeah, they were them. they were in the plane. Yeah. So that's what was happening. So crazy. And what was funny, the director also said he could tell in a few scenes under the mask that when Tom's supposed to be going and you know it's supposed to be a hard scene, he's actually like smiling and laughing yeah. under the mask because oh. he was having so much fun. Oh. <laughs> um, and that's another thing under the mask. They mentioned that Tom told them like. If you can't remember remember your lines, just count from one to ten, mm -hmm. and we can dub in whatever. Over we it. can dub in the uh, dialogue later. He said they did that a lot in the first movie because in the first movie they didn't really have a lot of script of what they were saying. Right, yeah. They dubbed it in all later. So if you, the director was like he'd be listening in, he'd suddenly hear somebody screaming one, two, three, <laughs> like they were counting because yeah. they forgot their lines. He yeah. said, oh, we're going to have to dub that in. Yeah, um, that's funny. So it's pretty cool. Each day they'd have a two-hour briefing, and Amy uh, talked about a little bit of this. Uh -huh. They would talk over the storyboards, the safety, the weather, and then Amy also mentioned they got in the wood cockpit and rehearsed what they were going to do. And then they'd have a one-hour run in the air, and they'd have no contact with the director. So when they came back down, everyone would watch all their film together. Wow. Now get this, they'd have about 15 minutes of footage each day. And out of that 15 minutes, 5 to 10 seconds would be used in the movie. Oh my gosh. So that's how long it took to film all this. Wow. Um, and what's cool is Navy officers actually came up with the mission. Because the director, as soon as he got done in Paris, he flew and wanted to interact with the Navy officers. So he went to the... Uh, he went to one of the ships. He went to the USS Roosevelt, which they also ended up filming the mm -hmm. movie on. Mm -hmm. And he asked them, what is the hardest um, mission you could think of? And they came up with the mission for the movie. <laughs> That's funny. And they, the officers told him the only thing that would be harder than that mission is if you did it at night. And, of course, they didn't want to film it at night because you couldn't see anything. Yeah. But that's this is the hardest mission that the naval officer should come up with. So oh, that's, that's what crazy. they ended up doing. Yeah. And the director made a point to say the, it's not a war film in his mind. It's really a movie about friendship, sacrifice, and competition. Mm -hmm. And much less about, hurrah, I want a war. Yeah, you know. yeah. Um, so, and we talked about Iceman, especially in this movie. He obviously was the more responsible one. Yeah. Maverick was kind of stuck in his old ways. Mm -hmm. Iceman had made it to Admiral. Yeah. And he was pretty much, and that's the way they wrote it in the story, that Iceman came, kind of became his protector. Right. And I thought the way they did the Iceman scene in Maverick was really cool. Right. They really nailed that. Mm -hmm. so. Because Val Kilmer 
has this have throat cancer. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so he can't really talk. He can't really talk. So yeah. they just work that into the film, which I thought was really cool. Well, and when they met with Val, he said I, he gave them the idea of how they could do it. Uh-huh. Like with the machines that he really uses yeah, yeah. on his computer and stuff. He's like, this is how we could do it mm-hmm. if you want me in the movie. So that's how they did it. So there's a funny story about Miles Teller again, which is basically our son Alex's heartthrob. <laughs> and that's partly why I'm shaved right now. Um <laughs> So Miles Teller apparently has a skin thing where he has rashes for everything. Like, he's very sensitive skin. Really? So he got out of the cockpit one day after filming, and he's like, he's got hives from head to toe. And they're like, they don't know what's wrong with him. Mm -hmm. So he goes to the doctor that night. They find out he had jet fuel in his blood. Like, somehow he had jet fuel in his blood. So he had to be like in an oatmeal bath all night to kind of counteract the effects. Okay, so he comes, (laughs) this is funny. Because he comes back in the next day to film, and Tom's like, oh, how are you doing? What they, what they find? And he's like, Tom, you're not going to believe this. And Tom's like, what? He's like, I, had, I have jet fuel in my blood. And you know what Tom said? Huh. He said, kid, I was born with jet fuel in my blood. <laughs> I can't believe that didn't make it in the movie, but that is the perfect line oh my gosh. from Tom Cruise. Yeah. So, yeah, I just... That is funny. This movie is just a phenomenon, and we've kind of talked about why we think yeah. this movie is so popular right now. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, it's just, well, for most of us that are, I mean, our age, there's early not. Early 30s? Yeah. I mean, it's just. It, just kidding. We're not yeah, in right. It's, it kind of, to me, brought it full circle. Like, it almost brought some closure to the sadness that I remember watching the first oh, one. Wow, yeah. You know, like, I needed that. And when you were talking about, like, what they were saying the movie, like, really did, I was also going to add in their forgiveness, you know, and, mm. like, how they he reconciled with Goose's son. And you're even talking about, like, how um, Maverick was with Iceman and how he became his protector. But how... If how would things have been different if Goose wouldn't have died in the first one, and there wouldn't have been that whole need for protection? Honestly, there would have been a whole you know just a, a totally different whole, dynamic, a altogether. totally different dynamic. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that that is that is one of the things I could. I mean, also I think that Tom Cruise had over the years, even people that really started out not loving Tom Cruise. There's bound to be a movie out there you've seen that you actually probably liked with Tom Cruise in it. You yeah. like all the Mission Impossible. So. I do. I just like those movies. In right, and so I like spy movies. I think that. As Tom has gotten older, and in this movie particularly, it, he had a more of a heart. You could see, I like that he was tearing up a lot. A yeah. lot. He teared up a lot in this movie. And it just showed he had some compassion, and he wasn't just a stupid young jockey hothead looking for a girl. Yeah. And this movie brought that into They allowed more. the character to... Grow up. Yeah. And I think Tom's a better actor now, and he can play that off. He could still be cocky, but also have all these other yeah. feelings. Yeah. And I don't think when he was 24, he could really play that off. Yeah. So, yeah, I enjoyed that they let the character grow up. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in a, in a bigger sense, with COVID and everything that's happened and so much unrest in our country, I think the simplicity of the movie is mm-hmm. something... That was refreshing to me. Yeah. Like, there was good guys and bad guys, and I, they intentionally didn't really spell out who the bad guys were mm-hmm. or the other country, because they really wanted it to be about this group of guys and yeah. not necessarily... I think that was smart. ...us against the Russians or yeah. whatever. Um, and I think that's how why it's played better overseas, is mm-hmm. there's no, like, oh, who's the enemy? Right. Like, what, what country are we That was against? so smart. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I think the simplicity of it and just it's good guys, bad guys, and we have to we have to accomplish something together. Yeah. And it was just feel good. And mm-hmm. there's so much that I think maybe in our world, especially on social media, we're 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 kind of taught to feel bad about everything mm-hmm. and to think bad about everything. It seems like yeah. to a certain degree mm-hmm. that everything's wrong when really there's a lot that's still right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this movie is really tapped into is we we want to be hopeful and we yeah. want to be we want to have you know good feelings about the future. Mm-hmm. And I think this movie hit at the exact right time yeah. to that and I think that's why it exploded mm-hmm. because People really want something like yeah, this. Yeah, it was needed. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Well, I thought that that interview went fantastic. Amy, he- Amy Heflin is one of my big heroes now. <laughs> I still don't understand how it's done. <laughs> it I'll never cool. understand. Yeah. Very cool. We hope that you have enjoyed this 4th of July episode as much as we have enjoyed. I mean, we watched this movie and we were like, go Navy. Oh, my goodness. It was just so incredible and, like, very patriotic. I don't know. It's, like, a great great thing to have on the 4th of July. If you haven't seen it, do that on your day off. It was fantastic. This is Hardy Party of Five and a Half, over and out. I feel like we should have some kind of Top Gun phrase right now. Well, at least we should do the hand thing. What's oh, the... yeah. It's like, thumb, it's like a this and a that. Okay. Yeah. So, hearty party five and a half, over and out. We'll see you next time. <laughs>